Welcome to Canada's podcast. Hello and welcome to Calgary's podcast with Mario Tonaguzzi on Canada's Podcast Network. Joining me today is Judy Rigi, who is uh, the founder of Connected Leaders here in Calgary. Thanks for joining us today, Judy. Thrilled to be here, Mario. Thank you. Tell me what Connected Leaders is and what you do. So um, Connected Leaders is uh, a coaching and training organization, and we work to redefine and I'd say elevate the practice of leadership and learning from the classroom to the boardroom. Okay. And who do you um, usually target as your, your audience for this? Well, this is where it's a little bit unique. Um, I started sort of mostly in the corporate sector because that's certainly where my career was formed and developed. But I also have the privilege of working in the classroom with teachers uh, and students uh, around what is leadership. And then I also have a very uh, big part of my practice working within our high performance sports system here in Canada. So working with Olympic and Paralympic programs, um, working around leadership mindset and teaming in that space as well. Okay, can you tell me a little bit of the history of how you got started in this and, and the why? <laughs> That's okay. Um, the, the simple why is I made a decision um, that I needed to design my career around my family versus my family around my career. Hmm. And so 15 years ago, um, I left a very um, exciting and successful career as a senior HR practitioner in a number of large organizations and decided to um, go out on my own and work with small mid-sized businesses around solving some of the people and purpose problems that I was certainly had experienced in the large sector and working with entrepreneurs, helping mm -hmm. them really define who they were as leaders, how did they take the purpose of their business and their people along with them on the ride as they look to grow, evolve, and obviously perform, make a difference. Okay then. And how has it been to be? on your own, so to speak? Well, I'm in year 16. So oh, wow. <laughs> uh, I would tell you, it's been a ride. Um, it's been exciting. And certainly my practice has morphed significantly over that period of time. Um, uh, certainly in the last eight years, really growing beyond the corporate sector and, and, and playing in both education and sport alongside. Mm. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about uh, some of the qualities or the uh, um, the uh, skills or talents or whatever that are, are are needed by individuals to be successful? So when I look at leadership, um, I see it less as a position and more as I look at, to the future as to where, you know, the, ex the exponential change we're dealing with. COVID has been a great example of that. It's the mindset, it's the skills, and it's actually the habits and practices or the support structure that leaders put around them to mm. ensure that they actually bring their best to their game. And I do believe it is a game we have to play as leaders. And that this idea of skills is I'm always adding to my toolkit. So it's really taking a look at um, this idea of continual learning and continual evolution. We never really land as leaders, I believe. Oh, and and how receptive are people to that? Well, um, it's I funny. Ask, it, sorry, the reason I asked to interject yes. is because you know what? I've I've gone through, I've seen a lot of this before, right? I've seen For sure. people take training programs and and sometimes uh, some of these big companies, especially, right, get on that bandwagon. Okay, 
we got to train our leaders to da 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 and the leaders go in they they take the courses they come out and then within a week they're back doing what they normally did in the past right so mm-hmm. I, I i guess that's the the question i i guess you've got to start with a, a willingness to uh to embrace this right Oh, you just nailed my very first and favorite question I ask all my clients. (laughs) Are you willing? And what's going to be different as a result of that? So I like to say that I bring uh, depth of content, but we are going to go deep in conversation to build a connection towards and a commitment. So what's going to be different and what are the behaviors that we want to kind of do? So I don't do the in and out. Let's just dip people into a training program. That's not the services that I, I actually offer it all any longer. It really is about what are we going to learn? But then more importantly, what are we going to choose to do, choose not to do, and how are we going to practice it? And so most of the training I do is wrapped with coaching and follow up so that we're actually going to, if we're going to make this investment, we're going to make it stick and we're going to make it matter. Yeah. And, yeah. and I think the thing that's been also a shift is, um, for me anyway, is the space of neuroscience and neurobiology so how we're wired as humans and how we learn so in the early days everyone says oh you work on that soft stuff (laughs) i actually think i i build the people strong stuff that actually is the foundation for what makes great teams great companies but the stuff that i'm trying to offer it's simple if you do it well often but it's not necessarily easy because we're having to actually create some discomfort between the way I've always done it and where I'm, where I need to go. Yeah, change is tough for people, though, isn't it? Mm-hmm. But I, I guess I, I'm, I'm, I, I guess that it is, it is difficult. The focus for me is is less about because I think change is a bit of a buzzword. What's the movement we're going to create? What's the action we're going to create? Because I think movement and progress are a better conversation than just hanging out. We're going to change. Yeah. We're going to talk about where we're going, why we're going there, how we're going to get there. And for me, it becomes, let's build a game plan that I can make, help people make those moves in a way that feels safe. Mm. It feels supported. And um, dare I say fun. Mm. Always good to have fun. <laughs> I think so. Um, so I'm just curious about the, the couple of segments there that, that, that you have, right, is the education side, the, the athlete side, and maybe I'll talk a little bit about each. Uh, what's unique about on the education side uh, uh, for the people that are uh, involved in that area? Um, so the work uh, in education for me almost started by accident as an intervention with my son's class in grade five, eight years ago. But we went in and looked, so that space to me is about, leadership is a loaded word, lead is a loaded word. And I think that um, working within schools and education, I've reframed it through uh, a program I call Role Model Academy, both for teachers and for students. And it's building social, emotional, or emotional intelligence and the leadership mindset and all these skills in an interactive way. So there's a curriculum, there's an experience, um, both for teachers and and for students. And so that whole place and space is how do I help and work with teachers to elevate their leadership presence in the classroom? And then 
those schools that engage in the curriculum, it becomes how do we help each individual kid in that classroom start to understand mm. what is leadership? What is followership? What are the people's strong skills that all of them can start to build and learn so they can be a role model in whatever space, whether it's in their sports space, their academic space, their friend space, their art or music space, but it's realizing, I guess I come from a place of, again, leadership's a mindset, not a position. And I believe every single one of us needs to learn sooner that there's, there's actually skills we can practice and hardware in now versus trying to do this stuff later on in the workplace yeah. around, let's make you a leader. So let's build leadership capacity and thinking now. And then I think that translates into better sports, better families, better workplaces down the road. What about athletes? What kind of uh, issues so, or things they have to deal with there? So most of the work in sport for me has been around this idea of emotional intelligence, especially under pressure and in conflict. And mm -hmm. so how do we team? How do we connect through communication? And a big part in sport right now is safe sport, the safe sport movement. And so when we start to actually be more aware as coaches and even athletes, how do I show up in this space? And how do I team with you and work with you um, so that we bring out the best in each other? So there's a ton of work right now for me in through this last year, especially is helping coaches reframe what the training environment looks like through COVID. And in some cases with yeah. the constant changes, helping them navigate that change to create certainty, clarity, and, and, and stay connected with their athletes when they're trying to figure out where am I going to train? How am I going to train? Depending on where they were in the country. So from what you do uh, uh, over time, uh, where have you found, I guess, the inspiration for what you do uh, and, uh, and maybe the, the knowledge and, uh, and the background, is there any uh, people in this field that you kind of look up to and kind of share ideas, not, sh well, not share ideas like back and forth, but, but just picked up on ideas that they've had as well. So there's, can I, can I answer this in two parts? Sure can. Um, <laughs> There's actually, the inspiration for me in this space came from actually a really dark time in my career, if that's relevant to the conversation, is um, I was seen as a high-performing leader in my early career. And um, I was leading a very large team and some large national programs. And one of the things we were doing around leadership development was 360 feedback. Anyway, long story short. I felt that in order for me to launch the program with leaders in the organization, I had to go through the process myself. And it was a disruptive and an eye-opening experience because um, I got my feedback from people around me about my leadership. And yeah. the long and short of it was um, my boss that I was a strong leader. My peers were saying, okay, you're young, but you got lots of potential. Here's some things you can work on. And it was my team that actually told me, and this was a team I'd handpicked over two years, my team feedback was not very positive. And it was the message of, I wonder if Judy knows her nickname is Dick, oh. short for dictator. Ah. And that was the game changer for me. Ah. Because what I do know is most of us go into work and into our leadership roles wanting to do a good job. But because none of us get up and put on a GoPro and go about our day and then actually sit down and, and understand how do I show up today? We're actually blind to how our words, our actions, and just who we are shows up 
on our teams. Yeah. And so that moment was a time in my career where I sat down with my team and said, who's this dick tater? What does she say? What does she do? When does she show up? And luckily for me, this group started me on a journey of understanding how do you break down behavior change? Mm. And how do you build a feedback-rich environment for yourself? So hence, that was the beginning of then going down into the speaking, um, training, speaking, becoming a coach, but really starting to understand the neuroscience of how we learn mm. and the emotional intelligence around what causes us to react to other people versus lean in and stay curious. Yeah. And so that's a bit about my story that got me here. It's been, I'm a work in progress and I, and I, I meet every leader where they are. We create a starting point. We know where we want to go. People who inspire me. I'm a huge fan of Jim Collins and his work around creating long-term sustainable, great companies. Mm. Um, Brene Brown and her work around shame and vulnerability is a huge influencing space for me. And I would also tell you that the work that continues to emerge from Dan Siegel and Mark Brackett, both in the space of emotional literacy, um, brain development over the course and through the different stages of our lives, and just what neuroscience is continuing to show us is the muscle that leaders really need to think about training is the one that's in the head. And mm -hmm. that's the muscle, I guess I say, is leadership's a mindset, not a position. And your mindset is a muscle. And I'm here to actually be the coach to help you train that so that you get to show yeah. up your best in those spaces where you're choosing to lead, if that makes sense. You know, I was thinking when you were talking about your experience, right? I was thinking about how, you know, a lot of companies like to, you know, they get feedback. They want, you know, the, the leaders want feedback from people and staff, et cetera. Um, but what I found over over the years and in, in experience, not just personally, but but also just from other companies and, and stuff like that, is uh, the feedback isn't really welcomed uh, when it's when it's not good, right? It's uh, so sometimes the the, the leaders uh, hit back well uh, well a denial or then b they hit back in anger, right? Uh, yeah. That that you're giving them sort of the negative feedback. Well. You wanted that feedback, so you know. Uh, so it's it's got to come from an, a, a a willingness to accept, right? Uh, yeah. What you're going to get. So it's um feedback is a word. So feedback, I often say, feedback is an F word. Most of us don't actually really want. <laughs> yeah. And so when I think of the word feedback, I see two four letter words that actually are kind of in really important piece. Feed is what I'm saying to you offering to you. Yeah. Am I saying it in a way that it's the truth? In other words, I can tell you it factually in terms of your behavior, your words, your actions. Is it necessary? Does it help you? And is it kind? Yeah. Because if I'm feeding you something that is helpful, well, you get, it's just like food, right? I'm nourished. I get something from it. The back part of it is, is am I building your confidence? And am I actually growing growing sort of this back of yours as a leader that you can stand taller and do what you do better. Yeah. But I think what we do is we do an awful lot to actually hurt people or diminish them, or we go into that idea of feedback as for most of us has been something that hasn't been helpful. It's been more hurtful. Yeah. And uh, I think that's the shift that I'm trying to create is what are the skills and how do we go into those conversations in a way that we're actually feeding people information that helps them see what they, is invisible to them mm. 
and do it in a way that they'll at least be open to reflecting on it and learning from it. Again, I go back to that idea of a GoPro. I don't know what I, I don't know how I'm showing up unless I create that space where I'm getting feedback that's telling me this is what I do really well. This is what people want me to continue doing. Mm -hmm. Maybe here's the places I could stop. And what could I start doing that would actually empower people, get things done better, or be more clear in setting the direction? Okay. What do you like about being an entrepreneur? Uh, I love the freedom in, you know, setting my own schedule. Um, I think the other thing that for me has been important in my kind of journey is um, starting to actually create I guess, how do I take my own ideas and package them in a way that are simple, that's clear, and I can meet people where they are starting from. So rather than being given, here's what you have to do and what you should do, I like the idea of being able to show up, understand where people are starting from, and then be able to almost reach into my toolkit and go, okay, let's, like, like Lego, let me just build something here and offer it up to say, Okay, how does this fit for a starting place? And then how do we keep adding to it like Lego blocks so that the structure of you as a leader is more colorful, it's stronger, and then we get to change it depending on the context yeah. that you're in. So the freedom, uh, the creativity. Super. Um, so if, if you're talking to an aspiring entrepreneur, mm -hmm. uh, what advice would you give them? Uh, I. I'd actually give them three pieces of advice. First one is um, uh, know why you're starting your own business. More than just the money, what's the purpose or what are you doing to serve the world in a way, way that might be better? What problems and for whom do you solve them? Mm -hmm. And um, what are the measures or metrics of success beyond the profit and like the revenue profit dynamic, like more than money, what's the meaning or the service of what you're trying to do? It's both and, it's not either or, but I think it's like, who are you? How do you want to serve the world? And how will you measure the success in a way that tells you that it's feeding you, you're getting better, stronger, but hopefully you're creating some value out in the marketplace that people turn around and say, I'm, I'm better because of, or things are better for me because of the work that you do. Mm-hmm. Okay. Obviously, you know, uh, as a leader, uh, you know, uh, most leaders or entrepreneurs, uh, you know, work is basically their lives in, in many ways. Uh, uh, I'm just wondering from your perspective, how do you find that work-life balance uh, um, uh, and juggle that in your career? Um. First things first, I tend to call it my, the synergy between my work and my life. Does it feel congruent? Um, I'm not sure it's always in balance, but I do know that um, I'm very intentional around uh, how do I make sure I'm creating space and time to bring like fire fuel me. Mm -hmm. So where are the places to kind of add to my thinking? Where's the places that make sure I'm resting and playing so that when I am working in, because I'm dealing with individuals and teams and with people, I guess I, I know that if my tank isn't full, mm. right, then the journey I get to go on with my clients um, isn't necessarily a road trip that's a memorable one. So for me, it becomes 
the connections and the, pla the places I hang out outside of work. And it also becomes sort of my routines and practices to sort of refuel and, and recharge my battery. What kind of things do you do for that? Um, I'm a huge, huge, I'm addicted to the Peloton community oh, and wow. my, my Peloton bike. So maybe, uh, uh, maybe you'll be one of those uh, people on TV that, uh, that show that, that commercial. I see it every night. <laughs> I see that every night that the, 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 those guys and, and a lady, uh, they're on that bike and or on that treadmill, like uh, crazy. Well, yeah. I, I made the investment just um, three months before COVID hit and I, it's been, so there's that. Um, I do an awful lot of reading and meditation, yoga, mm. exercise, and then I have a regular crew of people in the, in the social spaces we're allowed to be in that, that fuel, fuel my tank. Yeah. Get me away from work. I'm not allowed to be work duty. It's all about a different conversation and those kinds of things for me. And then obviously the, um, the things that I get to do with my family. I have two teenagers and I've been married for uh, 19 years. And so my family, it becomes this sort of place and space where, you know, the conversations, the things we get to do and the time in nature that we spend always to help me keep things in perspective. Super. All right. Well, thanks very much uh, for joining us today, Judy. Thanks for having me, Mario. Okay. That was great. That was Judy Riggi, who is founder of Connected Leaders in Calgary. This has been uh, Calgary's podcast on Canada's Podcast Network with Mario Tanaguzzi. Thanks for joining us today.